we said schools and nurseries are closed. How are you expected to go to work and take care of the children at home? So we started offering our platform to these companies for free. So it happened very quickly and honestly, it had a lot of success. that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here speaking, and today I am glad to receive Maria Elena Magro, head of international at WorkLife. During her nearly four years there, she has experienced a journey not so many of us can experience. She actually went from selling and leading an international B2C sales-led organization to a B2B one. What a change, right? And as you might imagine, it has been quite a shaky path to take. So expect to hear today about the different means to generate leads under these two different models, the importance of creating a community, and how her team leveraged the legacy and COVID to scale faster internationally. Hello, Maria Elena. Thank you so much for joining this new episode of International Corner. How are you today? Hi, Tiffen. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be part of this international community. <laughs> and, and yes, I'm fine. And you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Very excited about our conversation. But before digging into today's matter, can you start by maybe telling a little bit about yourself, your role and work life? Absolutely. So I'm Maria Elena. I'm head of international at WorkLife. Uh, we are a French start, uh, tech startup who developed a global solution to manage employee benefits. From my side, I have been focusing until now in expanding internationally our platform for home care services, which called uh, UPS, and it's like a brand inside our global offer WorkLife. Uh, we are present in 19 countries in Europe, but also in Asia and Middle East. And basically, the scope of UPS is to create a safe and easy digital platform for families who need a caregiver, like imagine a nanny, a elderly care, a tutor, for example. And we started our adventure 10 years ago in France with our B2C offer. And thanks to the big success that we had globally, we entered afterwards in the B2B field and uh, we assisted. HRs to enhance their work-life balance strategy and to support uh, concretely their employees uh, to reduce their mental load and like, you know, because it's important to, fi to find the right help for their uh, family needs. For me, uh, I joined the company four years ago. I was country manager for Italy because I'm, I'm Italian. <laughs> and before moving to France, I acquired experience in general business development. And, and yeah, after some months, I started managing the southern markets with Spain and Portugal. And then little by little, I became head of international. And yeah, it's been super interesting because, of course, I discovered how much European countries are different, you know, the culture, the tones to use, uh, how to manage business, and, and that's it. Thanks for your presentation. Uh, and that's amazing. And that's what we're going to focus on today, really, that transition that you made from 
working for a B2C platform to a B2B platform, I'm guessing there were a lot of changes involved and in a lot of different areas. But if that's okay for the purpose of this episode and to keep it, I would say, relevant, let's maybe focus on more like the, the sales slash marketing side of things. Can you start perhaps like by telling us a little bit about how that worked basically for your B2C products or UPs before you had to shift Did you, like, how many countries were you in uh, at, uh, at that time? I don't know if you can share a bit about the international turnover as well, but yeah, sure. if you could share some insights. Absolutely. So for the B2B, um, for the B2C, sorry, um, I, I mean, we had, uh, we had to generate two sides for itself because we had the supply side and demand side. So in our case, we had the families that were looking for a caregiver and applicants, people looking for a job. So our marketing slash uh, business development were, were uh, in these like two sides. And if we could bring enough of the applicant side, so the other side, the families would be like 10% easier to get. And uh, we started in France 10 years ago, but we managed to enter in 19 countries uh, in Europe and in, in Asia. Uh, we have right now more or less 3 million users uh, globally. And uh, yeah, the turnover, we can say it's for, from international 30%. Um, all, okay. um, we can say that in all um, international expansion, uh, the first thing, so everything started from um, creating a good community of applicants. So mostly young people looking for a job, could be temporary job, full-time or summer job. And in order mm -hmm. to do that, we the first action has always been partnering with job boards, you know, with job boards in all countries. And that's been the first key action in all countries when we ex expanded to have a basis of users. And then um, regarding our like first market acquisition channel, of course, we focus on SEO. On SEO has been like, of course, our priority, and uh, you know, you can you cannot simply copy paste uh, uh, the French marketing strategy using like Google Translator or Deeple and expect to to have results. So in every market, we we had uh, like a, a proper strategy and and an, ad, an, an adaptation, we can say. Okay, so both the the job board and marketing SEOs were your uh, lead acquisition channels under the B2C model, right? When it was still a B2C? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, of course. We started, um, we had another one, which was very, very important. It's the press. Like, we worked a lot on press media coverage to, cr in to create and increase our brand awareness at the beginning. And, of course, to gain backlinks, right? So um, the fact is, naturally, we have some like thematics that are connected with society, uh, population habits, customs, and we can count on a, uh, on a huge community to answer our surveys, for example, and help to collect direct data. So, you know, we, we regularly published in, in different countries studies about childcare, gender equality, uh, quality education, elderly care costs, or, you know, some comparison between the different countries and the government like policies to support families. So yeah, um, we put a lot of effort on that and we had several even companies who came to us after reading this article 
uh, or families mm-hmm. who just uh, like search directly for our brand name uh, in Google because of this press media coverage. And did you have some people actually working in the different countries that you covered or everything was done remotely from, from France or? Uh, yes, that's uh, so big before COVID, which less, like, uh, of course, change everything, everything. Um, uh, we had a country manager for each uh, international uh, uh, market living in Paris. Uh, we were used to, yeah, work all together in the Parisian office, and but we realized too soon as uh, everybody, I think, after COVID that we could uh, find uh, more talents uh, abroad and like people living in their countries. So right now we totally changed our policy. Uh, we recruit directly in remote and in their local, uh, in the local countries. And of course, we put efforts mm-hmm. and money, of course, more on the you know, some events in Paris just to bond people, to create, uh, of, to course. create of course, this, this sense of team. But right now, we in our weekly meetings, we are like 15 and all in a different country, which is very nice. <laughs> and, and back in the days, you know, where you, where you were under that B2C model still. So you had a country manager who were focused more on, I would say, like marketing activities than, right, than actual like sales and prospecting. Exactly, exactly. The yeah. thing is, uh, I will uh, I will explain you how, how we switched to the B 2 B. But yeah. until until uh, let's say three years ago, we were focused totally on SEO, on content creating, um, on press, uh, on on you know uh, all these tasks for B 2 C or like uh, social media coverage. So. Of course, we were not, let's say, expert or we didn't have experience in sales. That's uh, something that we discovered and we learned uh, along the journey. Okay. And that's actually what's going to be interesting here. If you, if we focus now on that transition, I would say that you did from uh, UPS being a B2C product to a B2B product, and especially that complete change in terms of generation of uh, new sales. Perhaps let's start with the challenges. Like what were the challenges you actually faced when you made that transition? Well, like the biggest challenge has definitely been to understand how to organize internally because um, like, yeah, we were not specialized um, in, in sales and we were really oriented, you know, detailed customer support and SEO and content creation. So, Um, we had uh, a sales team in France who started to guide us, to train us. But we, you know, in B2B, like negotiation, prospection, most of all, like automation, marketing tools. But we, we soon realized that uh, we had to adapt our strategy. So at the beginning, we were a little bit lost because everybody were doing, you know, something different on, on his own because, you know, uh, I started uh, sales uh, techniques myself in Italy, which is my country, and they, it, it went really well because they were super happy to have a foreign companies, you know, like, um, uh, ah, you know, you come from France, so you, are, you have to be really good, and they trusted us. While, for example, in Germany, um, yeah, they were more suspicious or... Or, you know, like, ah, but you are not from Germany, you are not local, maybe you don't mm. know the market very well. So we realized that we could, like, having all our, like, weekly meetings and having uh, one direction, but then, uh, like, uh, all country managers uh, had different uh, challenges, let's say. 
And of course, honestly, when we started, we didn't have the, the, the means to have a, comer- like a, a salesperson. So we became uh, <laughs> the, the international sales team uh, while uh, taking care uh, like 50% of the time uh, uh, on, about our, our previous tasks, you know. So things has been, um, I think I have to, um, to, to tell you how we started because that's been really, I can I say, unexpected. Um, sure. Um, because we, when we started, um, our French uh, colleagues already started um, and they launched a corporate solution in, in 2015. So it was already like uh, at least five years of experience. And they saw okay. immediately a hyper growth in the corporate market. And they started providing an employee support solution for parenthood and caregivers to over 700,000 employees. So, but you know, France is uh, in Europe is the champion of work-life balance, right? Like uh, mostly on southern markets, we envy, right? Like the French employees. Yes. So, yeah, we had in our roadmap in international to launch the B2B offer in other countries, but honestly, it happened. It happened in the most unexpected way with the arrival of COVID, because during the first lockdown when basically all businesses stopped, we had a choice, like to stop either or to provide our services for free in order to help and maintain our platform alive and, of course, to to, to make something, like seeing the situation. So we launched uh, from one side an appeal to all students and childcare providers in our platform to volunteer uh, for uh, the healthcare workers and essential industries employees. And from our side, we started in all European countries offering our platform to companies, to hospitals, um, supermarket chains, you know, like the only people that had to work every day uh, despite the lockdown. Uh, and mostly so you offer them so yes. so you offer them as in they didn't have to pay for anything e- right exactly like mostly with okay. to hospitals and supermarket chains we said uh guys <laughs> schools and nurseries are closed uh how can you are you expected to go to work and take care of the children at home so we started offering our platform to these companies for free and okay and uh so it happened very quickly and uh and, and honestly it had a lot of success and um our product was seen as a ver- as very useful in that emergency period so we could sign uh, uh like deals for free and then after a while started to developing our the b2b offer and putting a price of course in uk in italy in spain in portugal in germany so Normally, when you start the, uh, an internationalization, you struggle a lot, you are new on the market, you spend months without receiving an answer. And in our, in our case, has been a little bit different um, because, yeah, HR, uh, not just in France, but also in other countries, had suddenly different and new challenges, the remote working, uh, like the, the professional and personal life that were totally melted and people were burning out, you know, and we could re- literally help on that. But as you imagine, start starting this kind of strategy in, in, in an unexpected way, we had to do everything. So we had to really reinvent our job 
and uh and yeah and we 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 tried and it was good and we honestly we focused basically on the outbound strategy simple and direct um uh and yeah as mentioned before some companies uh came to us after reading some articles in the press so so how okay. that's how it happened Okay, so I have like a few elements that I wanted to come back to, the, who, which were very interesting. The first thing is that you mentioned that there was an opportunity because of COVID, so uh, people saw a need, right? But then, as you said, you offered it. So did you manage to switch them from free to paid customers at some point down the line? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, it was clear from the beginning that we wanted to 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 help in the emergency period, but that we were uh, developing a solution for them. And then, of course, we added feature. At the beginning, was like the basic platform, and then we started adding features. Uh, you know, we were in a kind of consultative selling approach. We spoke a mm -hmm. lot, uh, and we, we are still uh, actually speaking a lot with HRs in, in, in Europe. And uh, we understood that we, we had to adapt our product and to understand their needs in the different countries. So, yeah, we, we started to develop the offer. Uh, and putting a price, of course. Okay, so that actually came naturally. It's you had a few customers who were using it for free. By that time, you started to add features depending on their on on their needs, and then it was clear from the the get go that they would have to pay at some point because, well, you know, like no one no one survive out of free software, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But then you know, the first lockdown lasted two three months, and then immediately after, you know. Like uh, we we signed deals with other companies and was paying from the beginning, but as I told you, the mindset of companies totally changed. Even in you know even in my country, in Spain, in Portugal, so they really perceived our product like a valuable because the emergency was better, but not over. And yeah, they were really willing and uh, and eager to to have a solution to say to their employees, uh, we are here, we are here with this partner. So of course. Of course, if you tell me uh, Nordics and or German uh, has been like, can I, can I say, more difficult, uh, as I told before. Mm -hmm. In Germany, um, uh, we acquired a local company. So like uh, we had like an acceleration in, in growth and ha having first basis of, of, of customers, of clients. While, for example, in other uh, in other southern markets, was uh, from scratch, you know, uh, but it worked. And that's actually a great comment because I wanted to come back on that point. You mentioned that mostly you you developed uh, this out of outbound, right, uh, to to generate leads. What were you doing exactly? Was it like mostly emailing LinkedIn? Was it like a cross channel where you had people cold calling as well? Like how how did that go? We tried almost everything and we immediately understood what worked uh, and where. And let's say emailing was, of course, the first one. Emailing with a lot of, you know, of content inside, uh, like the survey, uh, surveys or data or um, cold calling worked a lot uh, in Italy and Spain, for example. Didn't work mm. a lot in Germany or in the Nordics. Um, and LinkedIn, of course, we always like, uh, uh, yeah, we always use LinkedIn uh, as a prospection uh, with the mailing, of course. Uh, 
we didn't uh honestly we didn't try the the you know the salon the the event the events uh okay we have to and that has been um something we are thinking right now uh it can be an opportunity but yeah let's see that's something we miss yes Okay, yeah, because definitely I've been having other people, you know, in the podcast talking about the UK or the Northern European countries, and they were saying that events are really important. That's that's a very easy way to actually meet your target audience. So perhaps, uh, you know, it could be like an, another way for you to generate more leads. Absolutely. The, the fact is that we started in full COVID and lockdown. So we yeah. we saw that was very like I can I say easy like we could sign the years and speak with people and understanding the market completely remote and uh, it was easier to participate to to remote online uh, events. So right now mm-hmm. that the situation is is, is 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 back to normal more or less, uh, we will definitely do that and like and we are we are already uh, you know. Uh, uh, seeing what 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 are the events in Europe, uh, mostly in Europe right now, where we can like finally meet people in person. Yeah. Okay. And when you started basically to say, okay, let's uh, go with this B two B solution internationally. How did you decide which markets you should go after first, or what were your main focuses? Because you you mentioned several countries like the Nordics, Spain, Italy. So you know, like, why did you decide to go uh, in which market and and how? It has been uh, uh, honestly at the beginning, it has been a little bit random. Our country managers uh, took a lot of initiatives. So as as as, seen, as soon as someone had uh, already a network or known some HRs or were willing really like personally, like in a kind of uh, entrepreneurship mindset, we gave them all the liberty. And honestly, uh, even myself for Italy, it has been the, the first who has some opportunities come back to us, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that's how it started. And, and that's how we tested the market. At the beginning, we didn't know. So we didn't choose. Then, then, testing the markets and trying to understand who were who was answering how uh what are the like the real needs we understood and i can definitely tell you right now that uh yeah italy and spain germany uh and and the nordics are our main 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 market and focus okay and as you said the country managers had lots of freedom. So those were the ones that were managing countries under the B2C model, right? Before the, tr- the transition as well. Um, how did that transition go? Like for them, like, did you manage to keep everyone on board? Because usually, uh, right, like I'm, I'm just uh, putting myself into the shoes of uh, whatever company that's on the B2B field, they will, if they look at CVs, right? Like they will look at, oh, you know, this person did like B2B sales. So I'm more comfortable with going with that type of person than someone who did B2C. And for you, like, how was the the transition? Because if you all started to do something on your own, right? Like, it must have been quite difficult to align everyone. Like, how did that go? It has been. It has been. Um, it has been at the beginning, during the switch. Um, and what can I say is that we took the real, really, really persevering, uh, motivating, entrepreneurial mindset people, like people who wanted to make a difference and who were not scared. Uh, we had a couple of 
uh, people that were really confident in the B2C and not so much in, you know, facing clients, facing people, negotiating can be scary. That, let's, let's be honest, can be scary. Most of all, if you, if you start from scratch and we, we managed to keep these people and to, and to look for other, uh, other, uh, I'm going to say, uh, people who could help or maybe myself, you know, uh, since uh, 80% of, of, of the business, it's, it's in English. Right now, I, I, I could, how can I say, replace in some countries um, uh, this country manager just for the se- selling or prospection uh, uh, tasks doing myself. And when I uh, saw some opportunities uh, and when we could sign some deals and we could have some means in order to take uh, uh, another person, mostly we work with freelancer. Um, yeah, I could, I could find uh, another person. But um, we had quite a, a turnover at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but right now, after two years, we are pretty stable. And in our recruitment process, uh, it's it's clear from the beginning that we have both sides because, the, you know, the two platforms, like the two products from B2C to B2B are interconnected mm-hmm. because uh, more quality we give to the B2C product and the B2C platform and it's going to be higher the quality is going to be for the the b2b uh, uh, corporate clients so right now it's clear from the beginning for the new recruitment that we look for an open-minded person uh who is not scared to i can i say to challenge himself in the in very different uh tasks mm-hmm. uh and honestly we are happy and we 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 can count on very ambitious people right now. But yeah, it took a while. <laughs> yeah, I bet usually when yeah. you have those kind of transitions, uh, you have lots of people quitting because then, you know, it's not aligned anymore. So, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you guys manage that transition and that now actually your B2B sales are like growing a lot. So it's it's definitely great. And I'm guessing that having... A large, the majority of your customer base back in the days when you started during that transition being uh, B2C. How did you leverage, right, like that customer base? Did that help you at all, you know, like to upsell for like B2B customers because you were having some individuals, you know, part of uh, companies? Uh, like, did you did you use it at all? Sure, absolutely. It has been our strategy from the beginning because, you know, like... Um, we developed a digital platform to make people's lives easier and that's that's fine but ultimately we we deal with people work so we we deal with with uh, people looking for a job uh, in home care services and so first of all we had to create a community in each country uh, and we focused a lot on transparency review rating systems so things is um, like more trusted community and people we have on the b2c side and more like our uh can i say b2b product is valuable is appreciated uh more it works for the b2b uh, clients so you know the customer success somehow made a real difference and it was it was like uh, maybe one of the uh, of the few example where customer success and sales could really match because you know, our country manager uh, leading also the customer success could really sell the value, sell the value of having these, uh, you know, uh, 
thousands of uh, trusted uh, users on the platform and uh, and really know the product so well uh, that could uh, that they could really sell this to the to the to the B two C to the prospects and and that that has been like completely yeah one of our strategy from from the beginning yes. And when you say uh, you you built a community in each country, how did you start? Because that's one aspect very important. And for instance, I know that Lemlist, right? Like uh, the fact that uh, they are so successful as well, it's also due to the community they built at the very beginning, very strong people who are recommending a lot uh, between each other. So like, how did you start that community on your side? So we started using a lot the social media. Uh, when we start, when we, I remember when we launched Portugal from scratch, from the B2C, we literally opened many Facebook groups uh, in order to 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 have uh, many b- babysitters chatting I- inside the group. Uh-huh. And then uh, we shared all the new job offers, offers from families. And uh, I, re- I remember we, um, we actually called the people. So it was, it was like the cold calling, but for our community, uh-huh. engaging them personally, telling them that uh, that it's a mar- it's a matching platform but we are um, how can I say very strict on on this transparency and and trust and 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 control so like that uh, let's say yeah Facebook groups and 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 and, and calling and of course uh, with the rating systems um, you know in every countries people looking for a job want to understand how to how to, to find a job quicker, uh, but in a trusty uh, environment. So we could provide that. And that's how we, like, you know, we have some some people in our, some users looking for a job or new job every year since, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And we can count on them, not only on the major cities, like uh, in Europe, but also, like, you know, in small, medium uh, Um, so it's, 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 it's very good and really spread on the territory. Of course, it takes time, mm-hmm. but has been one of our, um, uh, focus, uh, while opening a new country. Then of course, when you have m- hundreds and thousands of users, then things go a little bit on their own. So we could like defocus a little bit on that. Yeah. But at, at least let's say six months from like one year, uh, it was super important. Yes. Okay. And this was obviously from, you know, like when you started with the B2C product, as you mentioned, and those people from the community, did you, you know, like, uh, did you also like use them for the B2B one? How did that combine? Like, do you have like actual community for the B2B product or, or not? Not, not in particular. It's, it's the same community. Of course, we, uh, we, we use them like a testimonials sometimes. Okay. Uh, or in order, like you know, to provide some services, and we were sure that they could guarantee, uh, like you know, the best, the best services. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's 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 a little bit the, the same source of you okay. know of community, and uh, and yes, and 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 it's very easy for like the B 2 B clients to to see immediately like the effort we put and immediately like the good profiles we have and and how it works. So yeah, one thing leads to another. Okay. Okay, perfect. And just uh, out of curiosity, like in terms of sales cycle, like what's the lens of the sales cycle, you know, on on UPs uh, on the B2B side because I'm guessing that you know it's not the same as B2C. 
Sure. Um, it, it, it changed quite a lot uh, when when we started. Uh, like during the pandemic, was quickly as like crazy. Uh, two weeks, uh, three weeks. Okay. Right now, uh, we can say, of course, um, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, so it's gonna be uh, from one to uh, three months. Okay. Okay. So from bit... one to three months, the yes, I mean that's. Uh, they perceive immediately our, uh, our the value of our product, but um, maybe they have to, um, like the decision makers, have to make some surveys and understanding how the employees perceive the service. Sometimes we help them, yeah. Uh, so we are also active in the in the like decision uh, process. So yeah, let's say three months is is, is the maximum. Perfect. I mean, that's that's very interesting because I think that. Because, you know, you had that legacy, basically, like you also managed to leverage that and that gave you probably like a, some good foundation for, so that people can know already more or less, you know, like the company itself. Uh, but still, uh, for you to transition and go from one way of selling, one way of doing things to another one, uh, it's quite a transition. So uh, <laughs> I think that uh, it's, it's very interesting to hear like how, you know, like you basically used this past uh, that that you built upon to you know like succeed uh, into uh, becoming like more like a B 2 B organization or B 2 B focus one because I think that your B 2 C product still exists right as of today absolutely absolutely mm. it exists and uh, we keep uh, uh, making it evolve and improve and absolutely of course. You described UPs going from B2C to B2B, but today, just so that uh, listeners can understand as well, you're working on something else, right? That's actually a part of work life too, on the B2B side? Absolutely. Right now, we launched um, uh, a global employee uh, benefit management platform. So we deal with all benefits, uh, not just the care services, but also the, the meal voucher, the transport mobility, uh, sports, mm -hmm. everything. Like, uh, so we, we, um, we learned a lot from our UP's home care uh, platform. And we, uh, I can say that we enlarge a lot our scope. Uh -huh. And it's been uh, like uh, very, I can say, uh, a success in France. And right now we are open and, and ready to launch internationally uh, too. And yeah, and that is part of your exciting job, right? <laughs> to actually also expand that scope. <laughs> now, exactly. And then we, you know, when you start always from scratch, and you ne you never get bored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. I feel you on that one. <laughs> All right. Maybe now, if that's okay with you, like let's move to the last part of the interview, which is the oops, my bad time. Whoops, my bad. So for those who don't know, the Oops My Bad Time is a time at the end where the interviewee shares a mistake or a setback that has occurred during this country opening mission. So Maria Elena, perhaps if you have one or two examples to share with us uh, where you know you had maybe some issues so that hopefully listeners cannot repeat the same and learn from it as well. Yes, I have. we have many, I think, <laughs> as everybody, but... Um, but um, for for us, the most uh, like, like the, the first fail has been not um, how can I say not being enough prepared on the legal side um, at the beginning at the very beginning. Um, we were trying to like understanding the market uh, without understand without 
uh, how can I say, researching enough into the legal side. So when we had the first uh, calls, uh, as, I, as I mentioned before, at the beginning, the country managers were doing a little bit everything on their own, trying to test in the market, to explore, to talk with people. And um, and we soon realized that we didn't know many, you know, many fundamental uh, rules and, and, and legislations, which has like has is very important for our market. Uh, so after the first, let's say, months and months and a half, we said, no, guys, we <laughs> we have to to go step by step and um, to dig into that and to, to talk with legals in, in each countries, at least to understand um, the, the, you know, the basic framework uh-huh. and, and, and be, be, how can I say, be able to navigate into that, um, uh, and to know the country and to know the blockers. Um, but at the beginning we were a bit naive and, and, then we went like that and our, our mission was to speak with people. And soon enough, we understood that, yeah, we, we had to also like, like, uh, how can I say like, no, like this, this kind of technical uh, knowledge, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and yeah, and after after a month and and a half, it was it was it was good. We all uh, understood uh, uh, like the, the the blockers, the the pain points, let's say the pain points on on, on of each country from a, a legal uh, point of view. Yep, that's definitely a great advice. And I remember as well, three years ago when I, I, I opened the US market for Tukan Toko, that's also, you know, what we learned at first that when you start, like they are probably asking for some requirements that French people or other like European countries don't ask for. So it gets, you know, all like delayed. And then you're like trying to get everything done at the last minute. Hey, please, can you actually fix that for me? You know, because I'm about to close the deal, but we're stuck right now. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then you have like, yeah, but I'm a French lawyer. How can I know? And then you understand that you really have to have legal partners in each country that helps you. Yes. And that's... uh, that's all this history yeah yeah but that's that's a great advice because now that i'm doing it again you know for uh witco now and i'm just thinking yeah okay guys so we need this kind of partner this kind of partner locally otherwise it's not going to work (laughs) exactly exactly that's it that's amazing yeah i would say yes 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 yes. (laughs) but thank you so much maria elena for all your insight today it was uh, very interesting to understand how you switch from a B2C-led sales organization to B2B-led one. And I guess I just have to tell you until next time. Thank you very much, Stephen. It has been a pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon!